What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, guys? Hope you're having an awesome day today. We're going to be talking about home ownership and uh, buying versus renting a home. I know uh, several of you probably this time of year are thinking about this decision. As I'm recording this, it's April. And if you're going into practice, maybe, or about to be moving, that's a lot of times one of the decisions among many that are on the table is, are you buying or renting? Maybe you've already made the decision or recently made it. Maybe you know in the next few years you're going to be having to make this decision. Do you buy Do you or do you rent? And so we're going to be talking about how to navigate that decision. We'll talk about some of the rules of thumb that you've probably heard. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have. And we'll talk about the numbers behind that and why rules of thumb are pretty terrible at, at, at telling you whether or not it's going to be good for your situation. Uh, and then we'll talk about some of the non-financial reasons behind one versus the other and ideally give you some of the tools so that you can better navigate that decision. So first of all, let's talk about some of the rules of thumb that are out there. And part of it depends on who you're talking to, but I'd say like on average, the rules of thumb are that it's going to be better to buy if you're going to live in the home for at least three to five years. So what does that mean? Well, when you buy a home, there's typically transaction costs up front. Like there's going to be upfront costs associated with buying like a, you know, real estate or realtor commissions or mortgage uh, fees or that sort of thing. And you have to own the home for enough period of time to recoup those costs. So that's kind of the easy, uh, you know, most obvious reason it's going to take a little while to break even on a house. Cause if you rent a house, you know, you don't have those upfront costs. And so if you only live there, like say, you know, a month, then it's, you know, always better to rent and even, probably a year or two, it's always, almost always better to rent. But there's typically a point in time where that shifts, where you have recouped your costs, uh, upfront costs, and it's it's better to, to buy. And so the rules of thumb, typically, like I said, three to five years, uh, if you're going to live in the house that long, you probably are better off buying. But the problem with that is they're pretty terrible at you know, looking at your specific situation. And so when it comes down to what you have going on, there's a good chance that's a, that's, that's just a bad, bad way of looking at it. So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about today is, is how to start to think about it in relation to what you have going on so that you can, you can better, uh, you know, apply this, this sort of decision. Okay. So let's start with the numbers side of the coin. So I'm going to talk about the numbers. We'll talk about all the different variables at stake here. Uh, This is kind of more like the science side of things. Uh, Then we'll circle back to the the non-financial reasons. I'll hit on a few different examples and then we'll wrap it up. So so we're talking about the numbers. So there there's the numbers side of things. So as I was mentioning before, when you're buying a home, 
there are transaction costs that you would not otherwise see when you're renting a home. So sometimes these are, or most of the time, I guess, these are unavoidable, but in every once in a while, like for example, say you have, you're buying the house in cash, uh, one of those transaction costs most people pay is mortgage closing costs. So if you're buying the house in cash, you don't have to pay any mortgage closing costs. So that's not a factor. The other transaction cost, most common one is realtor commissions. It's pretty difficult to get around these as a buyer. Uh, you know, I guess you could if you found like a for sale by owner house. Basically, the seller pays those real estate commissions, but essentially they're passing in theory, half of that on to you. But that's kind of a indirect cost you would see from buying a house uh, unless it's a purely for sale by owner situation, which is rare. And then there's uh, up some houses that just really, ha you know, you you have to put in some upfront improvement costs just to, to make it uh, livable or to your standard. And so that's that can be a transaction cost well as well that you would see. So these are the transaction costs that you would see as a, when you buy a house. Uh, that you would otherwise not see if you uh, rented the house. And so the higher these transaction costs, the more that's used towards renting. So it's an important factor to understand. There's also the return on the, in, the value of the house. So if you buy a house, you know, the values go up and down. I guess most of the time they go up, but there's definitely, you know, houses can definitely go down in value and sometimes buy a lot. And so uh, compare that to a, a renting, there's, you know, no volatility. I guess your rent price might go up and down a little bit, but, um, you know, the price of the house is, has no effect on you. And so real estate houses, that's difficult to pinpoint real estate home price value changes. There are indexes you can find, um, real estate home price indexes, and they are I would say mediocre predictors or uh, mediocre representations of real estate prices, but they're okay. And so if you look at uh, real estate uh, home price indexes, they tend to be uh, right a little bit above inflation. And if you look over a long period of time, but the problem is they don't do a good job or really they do a terrible job of incorporating home improvements uh, or money you put into the house. They just sh basically are showing you a representation of what home prices has, have done over periods of time from starting or purchase to sale. So they have a, they're, it's really difficult to incorporate the improvement costs. So uh, they tend to be, I think, overstated, but I think most of the uh, real estate experts and financial people I would follow would say it's probably closer to inflation or a little below inflation. So in other words, home prices collectively really don't return anything over long periods of time, but that's as a whole, like as the market as a whole and over really long periods of time. Now what happens is totally depends on your area. It totally depends on, uh, you know, the market cycle that we're in. And so returns are completely a factor and, can totally de drive this decision, but the problem is you can't really predict them. And so in some ways it can be, uh, you know, an added risk on top of, top of the table, but returns definitely are a factor. You want to kind of just think about it at a minimum. Then we have taxes. So taxes are important. You can deduct certain expenses with ownership, 
like for instance, uh, home mortgage interest and property taxes sometimes can be deducted. But with the tax laws that they passed in 2018, very few people now are able to do this, are able to deduct those. It's probably going to, on average, it's like one or the other. The people typically, it's rare, it's extremely rare that we see people able to deduct, to deduct both property tax for their home and mortgage interest, whereas this was a lot more common before then. But basically, you want to understand if you're able to deduct this or not. The more you pay in mortgage interest, the more likely you are to deduct this. The property tax thing, you got to be above 10,000. And at that point, it's non, it's a non deductible line item. So, and you, you're going to add in all your home and income tax for state and local. So most of you listening, if you're in training, you might be able to deduct this. If you're in practice, it's extremely unlikely that you're deducting property taxes and mortgage interest. That's kind of a, depends on situation, probably 50, 50. But you want to know if you can deduct home ownership costs because that's a big factor. Also, property tax uh, rates vary big time by location. So, for example, where I live, I live in Lexington, Kentucky, property taxes, like on average, are about 1%, a little over 1% of the home value, assessed value. Whereas the highest rates we typically see are in Illinois, uh, Texas has some pretty high rates, but Illinois, I think, is the like, highest rate area I've seen. Uh, they're pushing like 3% in some areas or even more. Uh, in Texas, a lot of places are like 2% of the value of the house. But that's a huge deal because if you're buying, that's kind of like added cost of home ownership. The higher the property tax rate, especially if you can't deduct it. So you want to understand both of those. First of all, can you deduct the taxes? Well, for First of all, how much are the taxes in the given area? And then second of all, can you deduct those taxes? Uh, and are there any other deductions like home mortgage interest? And that, depending on those factors, will skew one way or the other. And then there's insurance costs. So when you buy, you, you know, you're going to have to pay insurance, home ownership insurance, home insurance costs. Now, if you're renting, you should definitely get uh, renter's insurance as well, but it's typically considerably less expensive uh, than home homeowner's insurance. And on top of all that, I think this is probably the, one of the biggest things is home, just in general, home ownership costs themselves and rent costs them in the given area that you're looking at. So what's been interesting is lately, so at this point in the market cycle, uh, home costs have been way up. Like everything's been just double digit growth, like year over year. Uh, home price prices have been like double digit growth pretty much. And I, this is like nationwide. Some areas have been way higher than that. So home prices have been just skyrocketing lately in the past year or so. But rent costs have not. Rent costs have been pretty steady, which is interesting to see. But basically, the longer that occurs, that's like making renting more appealing because rent rates are essentially becoming a better value relative to home home costs. Um, you can actually look this up. It's hard to get uh, you know very specific in area, but they call it the price to rent ratio. So you can look up the price to rent ratio in some areas, and it's basically going to show you like what is that ratio in the given area. But another way to look at it is you can kind of compare different areas of like what is a home costs 
in a given area and what is a home rent for in a given area and how does that compare to a different area home costs versus rent costs but that's an extremely important factor it's sometimes difficult like i said to uh, analyze but I'll, I'll i'll talk about an example when we wrap up uh, hopefully that'll it'll help you wrap your head around this one but it can be a huge huge deal especially right now with home costs as high as they are i guess there's one more little sneaky cost in there is hoa fees so hoa fees that's you know going to be unless they're passing it through which is very rare but hoa fees are going to be an added home ownership cost that you would avoid by renting so when you're looking at the decision you're going to want to run all those numbers or incorporate all those numbers and that will completely skew uh, one way or the other uh, renting versus buying and so i have um there's some research on renting versus buying I'll link to in the show notes if you want to really get into the weeds of this. But uh, their findings were that five years is the break even between renting versus buying at a minimum and depending on circumstances. And that in a lot of cases, it's going to be quite a bit more than five years, sometimes over 10 years. And what they did was they looked at a lot of these factors we're talking about now and how it affected one versus the other but the point is it's not always three to five years and sometimes it can be considerably way way longer than that and so if you know you're probably not going to live there say you're going to live there in the house for three years uh, and these factors are not in your favor it can be completely a horrible financial decision strictly based on the numbers to buy which goes against i think a lot of the general rules of thumb and definitely real estate industry advice goes against that and you definitely want to know that going in like i said we'll circle back to an example hopefully we can that'll help you wrap your head around this but uh before we get to that i wanted to talk about some of the non-financial reasons of one versus the other because these can some sometimes be a big deal for some people sometimes they're not as big of a deal sometimes we don't even realize they're happening behind the scenes but this is some, we'll talk about some of the non-financial considerations in renting versus buying. So first of all, uh, especially let's say you're going into practice, you're going into a new area. Let's say you're moving across the country to an area of the country you have never been to before in your life. Maybe you haven't even spent but like five minutes looking at their real estate on Zillow or something like that. So you have very very low little uh, knowledge about the real estate market you have a lot of uncertainty about the the just the location in general and the maybe the job there's a lot of uncertainty i mean there's a ton of people that first jobs just don't work out and that's just the nature of going to a new area and 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 all that so the higher the uncertainty i think that definitely lends itself better to just renting Maybe, maybe it's just to buy yourself some time and maybe it's just to have, to have that uh, flexibility in the event unexpected, you know, things don't work out. But with high uncertainty, renting can be very appealing and this can be just independent of the numbers completely because say job doesn't work out, uh, you know, a lot of times you know it right away, but say you... Uh, Maybe not right away, but like, you know, one month in, you're like, man, these people are crazy. Like, I just don't see myself here. I'm, I'm out as soon as I can get out. So 
the problem is if that happens in your situation, you're starting your first job and you've already bought the house, it's like psychologically or just financially, you're, you're stuck almost. So it's like, I just bought this house. I got all these costs I paid, man, I, I have to stay here at least a few years. Uh, and that's just a really stressful situation to be in. And you can ease that, uh, you can avoid that to some extent. There's going to be a pain, a little pain either way when that, if that were to happen, but you can minimize that pain by renting and especially in that first year or so of starting in a new area uh, or starting in practice or that sort of thing. So uncertainty is a big deal. You definitely want to take into consideration. There's also what's called overestimation bias. So there's a tendency for people. I think this is just like a human nature thing. Like we always tend to think we're going to own a home longer than we're going to, or I'm sorry, we always think we're going to live in a home longer than we really actually do. Uh, and so, and it's pretty substantial. So the article, uh, the research I was referencing earlier around renting versus buying, they actually did a, some research around what this bias actually is. And it's pretty substantial, like four to six years or more of like how, uh, how many years people tend to overestimate. So basically what I'm saying is, uh, the average person says, yeah, yeah, I can see myself living there, say 10 years. But in reality, it's going to be more like six years. So people as a whole tend to overestimate how long they're going to stay in a house. And I can see that in our clientele in the planning firm. Like people just move way more frequently, I think, than they expect to move. Changes happen faster than people, I think, expect them to happen. So uh, this, I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like maybe you should be a little careful with making too big a decision and it's probably good to build in a little flexibility here. Another non, a big, big non-financial or psychological consideration that's in play here is lifestyle creep. So it's, this is a, this is just a really sneaky one that I've seen coming into play. So what happens is people will, you know, me included, this is just the way people work you'll say, okay, well, um, should I rent versus buy? And you're, when you are thinking about it, you're in your mind, like running the numbers in air quotes, like running the numbers on your current house renting that you're renting is in like the $150,000 price range. Let's just say, for example, and you're like, should I rent versus buy? And in your mind, you're thinking, well, let's, Think about my current home rental that's worth one hundred and fifty thousand, and in the new house you're looking at uh, the buy is you're you're looking at like four hundred thousand price range. The problem with it is people, if they run the numbers, a lot of people don't really get to running the numbers. So that goes back to the first point: run the numbers, uh, or get a financial planner to run the numbers for you. But if they're running the numbers, a lot of times they're uh, they're doing the analysis based on renting versus buying and they're not incorporating the fact that their lifestyle is increasing on you know or the home price is increasing as part of this transaction so maybe they're running the numbers on renting a four hundred thousand dollar home versus buying a four hundred thousand dollar home but the problem is that that is a lifestyle increase and so 
renting a $150,000 home is going to be pretty much always better than buying like a $400,000 home. But that's just because you're increasing your lifestyle and lifestyle is not a good return on your dollar. Maybe it's a good return on your lifestyle enjoyment and happiness. But I think you should just call it what it is and not say, because what happens is a lot of people use that to kind of justify their increased uh, pricing on their home. So they're saying, okay, do I rent versus buy? So I'm in the $150,000 home. I'm going to live there seven years. So buying is always going to be better. So I'm going to buy the $400,000 home. But that logic is flawed because it's not financially better to buy a $400,000 home compared to renting a $150,000 home. So what you should really be looking at is what lifestyle do I want to set? Like, where do I want to draw this line in the sand on the lifestyle first? Like, what's most important to you in your life? What are your values? Like, what, you know, what's define what that looks like first and kind of draw a line in the sand and then go back to the buy versus rent decision. Because then you can kind of uh, look at it more uh, objectively and, and uh, that way you're not kind of tricking yourself into spending more than you would have otherwise. There's also the headache factor. So uh, buying a home versus renting. Renting is really, uh, I guess you, you could have headaches with, with renting, but assuming you have a good landlord and a relatively well-kept rental, it's extremely low headache factor. There's just not a lot you have to deal with other than to tell the landlord that there's a problem and they need to deal with it. So it's, it's just kind of like not your problem. So when you're renting, that's nice, especially so in training, it, it, like if you're working a ton, like I would, I wouldn't want to, I would ideally not want to have to deal with that kind of stuff. Like the house breaking down, like just like, for example, I'll tell you with my house, we had a appliance just in the kitchen just kind of blew up. And so since it's our, you know, we own the home, um, we had to get somebody out there to look at it and then they had to come back and there's a little logistics. Somebody has to be at the house and it's back and forth. And then you have to write checks and decide, and what are you going to do? And how do you, so it's just all that stuff is home ownership stuff you got to deal with or a tree blows down, you know, you got to clean it up or pay somebody to do it or spend the time to do it yourself. Whereas if you're renting, you just kind of tell the landlord and you're like, take care of it. I need you to take care of it soon. So the headache factor is quite a bit higher with home ownership as opposed to renting. And so if you have no time, you probably want to consider that. And if you're going to buy a home, if you have no time, you probably ought to build in some added like outsourcing costs, uh, like lawn care, landscaping, handyman, that sort of thing, like cleaning the house, just whatever upkeep type things. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of an added cost of home ownership versus maybe you just don't want to deal with it. You don't have the time uh, or you're in training. You don't have the money or the time. Maybe you should lean towards renting just given that it's very low headache factor. On the other hand, there's, there's definitely uh, a little bit of a kind of joy of ownership factor to consider. I don't know if everybody agrees with this one. I think it depends on who you talk to. Some people are like home ownership is not near as cool as it's made out to be. For some reason, home ownership just has this like kind of cool factor on the front end. You're like, 
you're not cool unless you own a home. And so that's a little bit of a cultural thing, I guess. But some people, there are, there's definitely, I would say, um, some some happiness factors to consider with having like a uh, anchor to go home to and kids grow up in the house. Like you have a lot of memories there. So there, de there definitely is a, that's definitely a factor that can be huge for some people. Uh, you personalize it. You you get to do what you like with it. It's it's your home. So that's a, that's a big factor. You just don't get that with renting, or I guess it's difficult to get that with renting. And so that can, for a lot of people we work with, that's like the turning point. Like that's the, they just are tired of renting and I can't blame them. I'm, you know, renting's not, it just gets old, not being able to do what you want with your place or even be able to call it your place. And so I, I can totally see that. That's a factor. It's it's just non-financial. So it, you, you'll have to assess how important that is to you and, and try to work that into the equation. Okay, so we've talked about the numbers side of the coin and kind of what are the, what do those look like? We've talked about some of the additional factors beyond the numbers. And so let's, let's finish this up and, and hit on just an example of what this might look like so i so i mentioned before i live in lexington kentucky and i i thought it would be good to so just a hypothetical example let's say i'm in lexington kentucky and i am about to move to texas let's say austin texas and so let's say i had a rental so i'm just using zillow zillow is just a good way to kind of get a feel for uh home prices and and uh, rental prices and that sort of thing so i'm in lexington so i i just pulled up zillow and looked up rentals in lexington kentucky so i was able to find a rental so let's say i was living in a rental eighteen hundred dollars a month and it's uh in lexington kentucky it's um two three six two heather way if you want to look it up on zillow it's two three six two heather way in lexington kentucky it's currently for rent but um, let's just hypothetically say I'm, you know, I'm renting it now. So this this will give you a kind of a feel for the variance in the market. So this rental is, uh, like I said, 100 or 1800 dollars a month. If I were to buy it, um, the best guesstimate uh, would be looking at the tax assessed value. So uh, partly why I wanted to use Lexington is I kind of have a decent feel for this. This is probably on the low end, but the assessed value is 173,000. I would say it's probably more like 225, I don't know, low 200s, maybe mid 200s, depending on the condition it's in. But it's in a pretty good area. You know, it's a pretty, it's a smaller house, um, but it's in a good area. And so that's the assessed value, 173, 173,000. The annual tax is 2,200 per year. There's no HOA on this house. Okay, so that's that's my house in Lexington. So I'm thinking about moving to or I am moving to Austin, Texas. So if I look, go to Austin, Texas, I'm like, I would like to kind of keep it in the same price range. So if I'm looking at rentals, I found a rental in Austin, uh, Texas, and it is $1,900 a month. It's 8704 Coran Ferry Drive in Austin, Texas. So this one is $1,900 a month. If I look at the taxes as value, it's 369,000, which is crazy. That's like so much more. And the rent is basically the same. So that's all already telling you something. That's like, huh. So you're telling me I'm going to pay the same rent 
and the but if I were to buy it, I would have to pay like double. Hmm. I'm not sure I would want to buy in that market. So, and then on top of that, it has an HOA. I don't know what the HOA is. I didn't take too much time to look, but I know that there is an HOA on top of all this. And then the annual tax is eight thousand two hundred thirty-five. So, what the heck's going on? So. Basically, what the, what that is telling me is Austin is a probably not a great place to be buying right now relative to renting. Or in other words, the rent rates are very competitive relative to the buying costs. And if I compare it to Lexington, Lexington's kind of not a bad place to buy uh, relative to the rent costs. And you can start to kind of get a feel for that. I think I mentioned this earlier is you can look at the um, price to rent ratios in different cities. Uh, you can start to get a feel for the price to rent ratios across different cities. And that'll kind of give you an indication of whether it's a pretty efficient buy market versus whether it's a pretty efficient rent market. But that doesn't totally capture it. There's also the tax costs. So Austin is kind of like a double whammy. It's like prices, home prices have gone up a lot in Austin, Texas. It's just like grown and exploded and uh and there's just a, a low uh supply of houses so home prices have skyrocketed in austin and it's probably not even captured in this assessed value on the other hand rent rates have been pretty flat plus on top of that in austin home property tax rates are really high that's kind of a trade-off with the the um lack of income, state income tax in Texas, but still it's a cost you have to pay if you buy. So if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, well, if those are my numbers, I would gladly take $1,900 a month uh, as a rental. It's going to take a really, really long time to break even on buying as opposed to renting. So that the rules, so going back to the rule of thumb, it's like three to five years. Well, not in this situation. In the, with these numbers, it's going to take like maybe, I mean, really, really long time, 10 years plus to, to make this sort of uh, buying situation make sense if you could get $1,900 a month rent. And so that's, that's, that's definitely a, um, there's a lot of these out there right now because of the market with the prices and real estate going up so much. Um, it's made uh, uh, this whole buy versus rent thing kind of out of whack a little bit. And when definitely be very, very, very hesitant to buy a, a place. Like I'm talking like I would be just very, very, very cautious because, you know, training is a short period of time and it's extremely unlikely that you're going to keep that same sort of place for the long haul. And those high cost of living areas like have seen such high appreciation already and the rent rates have stayed pretty low. So in, in other words, it's like rents look like a renting looks like a really good deal especially when you throw on top of it all the uncertainty um, of what the job is going to hold long term. And another example, if I'm going into practice like, and I'm just starting, if I'm moving to a brand new area, like I said earlier, if I don't know anything about the market, and then on top of it, it's a really high appreciation area and really high tax rates. Like I was saying, in Illinois, it's got really high tax rates or, or, or um, in Texas, a lot of areas in Texas. Um, I would kind of the same sort of situation. I would be very, very hesitant to buy in that uh, in that brand new area, even if I'm pretty confident I'm going to live there for a long haul. Going back to that 
overestimation bias. Like people tend to think they're going to be in a place longer than they are. People tend to think like the job's going to work out. Almost everybody, in fact, I think everyone I talk to about their new jobs is like, yeah, I think it's going to work out. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken the job. So you just got to take that into consideration. On the other hand, if you're in Lexington, Kentucky, like with me, if you're living down the road from me, and you you're established in a location, you know the area, you've lived here your whole life, you're you're already comfortable with the worked in practice for several years, you know the people, you, you like it, you know you're going to stay here, you know you're going to stay in the given house you're in. I mean, buying makes makes all the sense in the world. Like it's a really good financial decision typically. So I would definitely shy away from these rules of thumb. Uh, they can get you into a little bit of a pinch. In some cases, they can cause big time financial uh, risk where you get into a situation where you you um, are stuck in a house. So ideally, you look a little bit more at your situation and what you're looking at and kind of start to take what's what, what those factors are into consideration. And that way you can make the best decision for what you have going on. All right. Hope this has been helpful. Good chatting as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.